Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I'm your host Deepak Sharma and on this podcast I chat with leaders from all walks of life to discuss their journey, the lessons they've learned and advice they have so we can all level up our health, wealth and happiness. You see, I'm obsessed with the idea that we should be striving to realize our potential with the one life that we have. Let's not overcomplicate it cuz it's not that deep. Before I get into today's guest intro, I've got to tell you guys about this new project I've been working on behind the scenes. So since I started this podcasting journey, I've been getting a ton of messages from friends asking me questions like, "What kind of equipment do you use? How do you land such awesome guests? And how do you grow your podcast?" and so much more. Well, luckily for anybody who's ever wondered these things, I have a new course coming out called Podcast Foundations. You can head over to podcastfoundations.com now to be notified of when everything will be ready to go. This week's guest is Lena Alvarez. Lena is one of the most interesting and talented people I've met. as she fully embodies what it means to taste and try different things as well as pivoting when necessary. She currently holds a position at Export Development Canada or EDC working in the women in trade advisory space. But you see that's just one of her hustles. Lena's curiosity for the world of entrepreneurship has led her to the health and wellness space and founding her own company, The Bar Jar. where she teaches a unique form of exercise called bar and has a massive and engaged community. Her interest for all these different pursuits has now led to her obsession with the space of design and strategic thinking, where she will be pursuing a master's degree this coming fall. I invite you to join me on this journey of leveling up by heading over to my website, it's not that deep podcast.com to check out more content like this. Enjoy today's episode and just remember, it's not that deep. Lena, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. Hey, Deepak. <laughs> Thanks for coming out uh, to my beautiful studio. Literally my... out. <laughs> well, I'm really glad we could do this. Uh, we've been trying to set this up for I think over six months now. Um, been rescheduling, but we finally made it happen. Even despite COVID, we're out here. Um, you have a very interesting story. I'm very excited to get into it. Um, born in ecuador is yes. that correct um you've bounced around from so many different kind of lanes so many different career choices and honestly you're one of the people who make me feel like i'm lazy as hell oh my gosh no you're way you're always doing so many things you uh you have a career in um international business and like development that kind of that kind of space um you went to mcgill Yes. Uh in Montreal. Uh you founded Bar Jar and we're going to definitely get into bar because to this day I still don't really understand it. Oh, uh, maybe we'll do a little demo. We'll make you try some exercise. <laughs> oh my god, I don't think we're ready for all that out here. But all that to say, um you know, I could just sit here and list your accomplishments and like the amazing things that you do all day, but why don't we why don't we start from kind of like the beginning? What's a, what's you know Tell us your story a little bit from a high level. All right. Um the very beginning. So like you mentioned, I was born in Ecuador and I lived there in Quito in the capital city until I was 8 and then my dad actually got a scholarship to study a postgraduate degree in Vancouver and we were only supposed to move for 2 years. That was the plan. My family has a business in Ecuador, so it was always, you know, just have that experience and come back. And then when we moved um my parents kind of started getting jobs and then things started changing for my family and then my parents really realized that there were so many more opportunities for us in Canada and then we ended up staying we eventually became Canadian citizens 
And then when I um, was looking at universities to go to, I was actually in French immersion. Okay. So I had this idea that I was like, I really want to go and practice French in Montreal. Yeah. So then that's why I applied to McGill. Okay. And it was actually kind of tough for my parents to accept me going because we only really had each other in Canada. We're not like some other families that, you know, have a cousin in Toronto or yeah. anything like that. So it's five hours away from Vancouver. Like you can get from one point of Ecuador to the other in like 15 hours driving. Yeah. So they're like, what? Like that's so far. Mm -hmm. But I was able to make it to McGill and then I moved here to Ottawa in 2016 on a four-month contract and I'm still here four years later. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, I, I like that like kind of roundup way because so much has happened in between then and so many pivots and so many things that you've tasted and tried and ah, I like this, I don't like this, but I like that you bring it back to your parents and having that experience with them coming over probably laid a lot of foundation of who oh, you are 100%. today. Yeah, and so how, like uh, before we get into all of it, how many languages do you speak? I speak three. Okay, that's yeah, and awesome. then I like I tried to learn German for a second because I was working in the automotive industry for a little bit, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll work in the automotive industry in Germany. But then I discovered that that was not for me. So then I haven't been practicing my German very much. But yeah, three languages. Literally. So what did you study at McGill? I studied Latin American studies. Okay. So I went to French Canada to learn about Latin America. Okay, I love it. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You didn't want to go back. You didn't want to like... You, well, it's, it's like, actually you know really funny because yeah. when I was growing up in Vancouver, I always really wanted to fit in. And where I grew up, there was a lot of uh, Iranian people actually. So people always okay. would speak to me in Farsi. They would think that I was Iranian. Um, but other than that, there wasn't really that much diversity. So. I always tried to kind of just fit in and I would always say like, no, I don't speak Spanish. And then people would say, but Lina Alvarez, like that's the Spanish last name. I'd be like, no, like, you know, I really tried to hide it. And then when I went to McGill, I actually wanted to be a dentist, Okay. but I didn't finish one class. I needed to go into sciences. So when I showed up, I was like, okay, well, I'll just go into arts and then I'll transfer over. And again, it was kind of that discovery that I've always tried to do. I realized that the classes that I liked the most were about history in Latin America or anything to do with that and rediscovering my culture. So then I actually chose Latin American studies because it was the type of degree where I could choose a class from any single faculty. Like I did a linguistics class, I did a political science class, like environmental studies class, as long as it had to do with Latin America. So it was such a rediscovery of my culture for me. And then it led me to international business, but I never, ever, ever imagined that that's where it would go. So talk to me about that jump though, going from the linguistic side of things and learning the history and this and that to then, you know what? I want to be in international business. I want to work in foreign affairs. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Talk to me about that shift. So when I was in um, Vancouver, because I went, I only went back my first summer after first year and the summer after second year, I actually met some people that were really entrepreneurial. So at that point, we must have been like in our early 20s, like we're around the same age. But these were people that, you know, like they had companies that were like selling a ton of cars in China. Like they were like millionaires already. And I was so inspired by like all the business things that they were doing. And then I got really interested in that. So I decided that I was going to pick up a business minor at McGill. Okay. Which wasn't really common for the people in my faculty either. And then by doing that, I actually once saw a posting for an intern position at the embassy in Argentina for the trade commissioner service. Okay. And when I applied, when I applied for it, I definitely wasn't like being a diplomat is my dream. I was just like, oh my gosh, I really want to get back to Latin America. I've always heard amazing things about Argentina. 
I guess I'll apply and see what happens. And then this is my way to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a spot where like all the international business doors opened. Oh, got it. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. And then talk to me about when that move after um, coming to Ottawa or wanting to actually work at foreign affairs. And then you I'm pretty sure you did get a job at like working for was it the consular or something like that? Yeah, the consular team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk to me about that a little bit. What was that experience like? Yeah, so it was interesting. After my internship, I actually spoke to one of my supervisors and that was when I was like, I want to be a diplomat. Oh my gosh, this is my dream. I need to become an ambassador, especially because of my background in Latin America. And then she kind of gave me some advice and she was like, you know, like you'd be really great at it, but I suggest that like you try and explore as many other things before you really go into the ministry because it can be kind of a very hierarchical process that takes a long time to move up. Right. So then I had heard about EDC, where I currently work, uh, through a presentation. So I just like randomly applied to a job at EDC, being like, oh, I just want that preview of what working there would be like. And then that's when I got the position for four months. Okay. And when I moved to Ottawa, I rented an Airbnb a few blocks from here because I was like, I'm going back to Montreal. I was yeah, still yeah, living yeah. there. I was working for a tech company, actually. Okay. And then opportunities just kept coming back. And then how I actually ended up going back to Global Affairs, um, somebody that I had worked with at the embassy actually was back here at headquarters after her posting. Mm-hmm. And she had mentioned that they were looking for people on her team. And honestly, I didn't really know what the job was. I hadn't worked in consular affairs, but then she was kind of saying like, we need someone that's really creative and innovative. Like, do you know of anyone? And I was like, yeah, me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So then that's how I ended up getting that opportunity. But honestly, I never really went looking for it. And when it did come up, I had to have conversations with like 10 friends being like, what do you think? This is so different than the path I've been on. Like, I don't even know what consular affairs is. Like, what if I hate it? Like, I don't know if I should do it. So it definitely wasn't like a plan at all whatsoever. You just dove straight in. That's what what I really like about you. It's like, you know what? I don't know if I'll like this, but let me just dive in and try it anyway. So that's like, that's, and I feel like that's also just the tip of the iceberg because I was listening to another podcast that you're on. I found out you're also a flight attendant. Yes. Yeah, you worked at a tech company, like in marketing or something? Yeah, social media manager, customer support. Like Like how many, how many of these different things have you tasted and tried? But that's like, that, you know, that speaks to your self-awareness and that speaks to like, you know, what I genuinely do believe in is that we have to like especially at our age just keep tasting things just keep trying yeah, things totally. because you won't like i think it's almost more important learning what you don't like oh 100 than learning like oh my god i love this this is my passion this is what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life like i think that's almost a like a flawed narrative that people have been uh sold is that like like just chase your passion like oh yeah 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 i guess chase your passion if if you're lucky enough to know what that is but if not you better try a bunch of things don't just sit there stagnant mm-hmm. and like hope that things are going to come to you so to kind of talk to me about like that you know while while there's this whole like kind of rigid like diplomacy career that's like kind of waiting for you you're also interested in entrepreneurship how are you balancing the two Yeah, it was actually super unexpected. Um, When I moved to Ottawa, I I was thinking, you know, I'm I'm just coming here for the like diplomacy side of things. And then I actually discovered that there's a really awesome startup community. And it was, again, just by telling people that I was interested in that, they introduced me to like different people. um, And then they introduced me to different people. Like we met through our friend Alman and, you know, I met him through another friend. And 
everybody was just so welcoming and like, hey, we know that you're interested in that. Like, here's this free event. Yep. And I really loved it. I loved how small it was and how welcoming it was. And everyone always like wants to collaborate. Yeah. And, like, I love ideas. So anytime like a friend tells me about an idea, I'm like, that's amazing. You should do it. Like, yeah. 100%. This is like a big, small town. And, you know, it gets a, a rap for being like a boring government town a lot of the time. But a lot of people are like actively trying to break free from that oh, mold. Totally. So we have like this community of like, I don't want to like just say young, but like people who are hungry to like do something a little bit different. Living within that kind of like structure. So I find it very interesting because me personally, like I studied international management. And I thought that, like, okay, if I take something like this that's going to be so open, like, it's very general. Like, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. International like, business and management, right? I'm like, I could do anything with this. But then with that, it was like, okay, you know, just work for a company, start my own thing, work for, like, government and, like, foreign affairs or do something like that. And, like that was a realization that i came to like as well in kind of a different way that okay yeah it'd be cool but i think the parts of working at global affairs or whatever would be very cool is just to travel like to me that's yeah. what kind of fires me up not the actual job or the work like because i didn't really know totally. what was involved i'm like I guess you do like diplomat stuff for like cool like you help people missions and things i like i didn't know yeah, like exactly. you know, i was just like oh yeah international business that sounds so cool. why, why were you interested in international business like in grade 12 like what made you want to do that when i was younger i thought that um like i knew i always knew in my heart that like i love travel like mm. i love uh just not staying still like if it weren't for covid i probably would have went to 10 countries like i just love going places and experiencing their culture their language the people everything i just love i love that and that's kind of what i like to build my life around but i was very much in a situation where it was like i was good at science as well i was good at those things but i didn't enjoy like i didn't just want to be a doctor for right. the sake of making mom and dad happy you know so and i also didn't want to be an engineer or a lawyer like i found reasons for all the other ones that i didn't want to do and I'm, but i still had to go to uni so i'm like i guess i'll do business thinking of it now like maybe not the smartest decision but you know hindsight's yeah, 2020 i made it out the other side okay but um to kind of answer your question like international business to me what that represented was i'd be able to conduct business internationally that was it that was literally <laughs> that was it that was the line of thinking i could whatever it is i could do it from not just one place and i still very much hold that like i think it's still very much one of my mm -hmm. ideals and one of the things that uh drive me even in like my own business endeavors my own podcast i love like i'd love to be able to travel and do totally. this right but i mean you you don't get the same kind of freedoms that, you know, uh, for me even doing what I am right now, if I'm in this very stringent hierarchy, like you talked about, where I have to, <laughs> exactly, you have to adhere to a certain like code and like, you know, you can't say things out of line. Like I couldn't have, I couldn't be swearing on here. Like I couldn't be representing my country mm. in a poor way. All those kinds of things didn't sit right with me. And I was like, I don't want to censor myself like we're living in the best 
time to be alive where you can just have your voice. So, like, the I pros love that. and cons. The best time to be alive to have your voice. Yeah, everyone has one. That's so true. I love that so much. Everyone has been enabled to have a voice. Now, you know, it gets complicated when those voices come together and create a movement and then there's a counter movement and then there's people now you're now you have mob mentality that all like uh, that kind of stuff in history still applies mm-hmm. but now we all just have these supercomputers in our pocket so that basically allow us to like you were talking about it before it's like you could start a podcast and put that out in less than 15 minutes mm-hmm. and disseminate your voice to however many people around the world want to listen to that particular thing and that is a privilege but also a little bit of a responsibility yeah totally yeah there's like some ideas out there that i'm like this should not be gaining any traction and somehow it does but it's really funny what you mentioned like the evolution of like technology too because when we first moved to canada like we had dial up and some people started getting wi-fi but my family was still kind of trying to save money and my parents used to also use the dial-up as a way to check up on me and my brothers. So oh. she, they'd go to work and, they'd, and I would always take care of my brother during the summers even because, you know, we couldn't afford a babysitter. So my mom would call it and she'd be like, if the phone is busy and the dial-up is connected, you're not allowed to go on the computer when we're not home and I'll know. That's so funny. I remember the dial-up days. Oh yeah, like the noise. like. And whenever they'd pick up the phone, it would throw everything off. Like, mom, get off the phone. Like, I'm trying to oh, yeah. load this image. Like, that that's what the internet was back then to me. And LimeWire. Yeah, LimeWire. Like, MSN. <laughs> all that stuff. MSN days. Coming home after school and just logging on to MSN and, like, appearing offline and online <laughs> yeah. when your crush came on. And, like, just dumb things. And, like, like having an MSN boyfriend and, like, putting hearts like, or, like, girlfriend and putting, like, hearts of their name and your making, title. Making sure you're playing the right music because people, it's linked to your, like, whatever so oh they can see your that. status. Like, oh, better play some hard 50 cent or something. And, like, yo, don't want them to think I'm soft, you know? Like, it's like, what oh, a dumb yeah. line of thinking. <laughs> Those but, were the days. <laughs> yeah, MSN days. So we got a little sidetracked, yes. but <laughs> let's, uh, let's bring it back to kind of, like, we were talking about entrepreneurship a little bit. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about how you transitioned into this, this area of fitness called bar what is bar explain it for like dumb people like me who don't even know really what it is (laughs) i i need to know and people need to know what it's about and then talk to us about how you started your own thing so i want to say that you're definitely not dumb because it's a very difficult thing to understand and it comes with a lot of like preconceived notions so bar originally started from a dancer who was injured and then she needed to find a way to keep training so she created this exercise that was kind of like physio and like a little bit of ballet but just a way that was lower impact so that she could stay fit while she was recovering right and then from that it's kind of like it it just divides into completely different schools so you know you have the bar that's dance like 100% dance like choreography then you have the bar that has gone more like towards yoga then you have the bar that has gone like more towards Pilates okay and um, the style of bar that I teach is definitely more like a yoga bar type mix okay um, that really focuses on Alignment, engaging your muscles, stability, breath, relaxation. Now, when we talk alignment, are we talking like body alignment or body mind alignment? Like all that stuff. I say both. I I always like to say that my classes are 
kind of operated in a mind mint philosophy. Ooh. So you're mixing <laughs> mind and movement like and that. just making it inclusive. Like I personally didn't even start working out at all until I discovered BART in Ottawa in 2016. So before that, I really wasn't doing anything, you know, like I didn't notice that I wasn't fit because I was walking around campus everywhere in my undergrad. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a car, so it kind of flew under the radar. But then sitting for eight hours a day in an office, I was like, oh no, yeah. like, something is going on with my body. And then my friends in Vancouver were doing bar a lot. So then I discovered that there was a studio here in Ottawa and I started going as a student. But I even remember like the first time I went, like I was terrified. Like. I'm not an athletic person, I'm not a coordinated person, I'm not a flexible person, like, yeah. I didn't know what to expect. Um, and I loved it so much and at the time actually at my job, it was my first job out of undergrad, and I really didn't feel challenged. And I think a lot of new grads are going to feel this where you spent like 23 years of your life, 21 years, however, wherever it is that you graduate, like being involved in, cl in clubs, building your skills up, you know, being president of clubs, like leading things and then you step into an office environment and you're all of a sudden at the bottom yep. of the totem pole and you know you're being asked to like copy and paste information <laughs> and that's your job for eight hours a day yeah here's a spreadsheet yeah and <laughs> it was like soul crushing like yeah. i was that was probably the hardest year of my life and then i just i was like you know what i need to do something i need to take this into my own hands and then that's when i started the bar jar on the side because it was something that I had full control over, I could explore, nobody was telling me, you're not qualified to do that, you're not ready to do that. And it was like that exploration piece and curiosity yeah. that I always try to lead with in my life. I love that, the bar jar, first of all, so catchy. And you've grown like this really like big brand like already, and it's awesome. And I, I follow the page and I find it really cool like how active you are. Uh, with your community and you're posting so many of these different things even though i still didn't fully understand what it was i was like they're doing something really cool over there in that corner probably not for me but totally it's for you i don't know if it's for me but you know what <laughs> like just like you said before i think it's very important to find something that is for you and you know i think a lot of people could get a lot out of that because as you said, like you didn't really work out as much before mm -hmm. and like that wasn't really your priority. And I think like a lot of people are that way. It's just like shoved down people's throat to go to the gym, yep. get buff, work there's out. There's only or five one times. way to move. Yeah, like... there's only like you better go and like go for a 10K run yep. or, or, you know, join a soccer league or like something, you know, but um, it, it just doesn't fit for everybody. So I think that's really great that, you know, you found what worked for you. But not not only that, you took it to the next level and you empower other people exactly. to do the same. Because so. I had a, like, a pretty bad experience when I first started to wanted to try to start working out. I remember I went to a gym class and I was, again, so terrified. Like, I, I think I was wearing like a t-shirt from Frosh and like these jeans that I had in high school for my gym class. I'm not even kidding. And then I show up to the class and it was some like body pump class or something. And halfway through, the teacher says to me, what are you doing? Those weights are too light. Go and pick up a heavier set of weights. Oh, damn. And this was in front of the entire class. I was mortified. Yeah, I that's... wanted to get out of there. And then I didn't go back to the gym for like six months because I was like, clearly, if I can't do it the way that she's telling me, mm -hmm. fitness isn't for me. I'm not a fit person. I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I just am trying to like crush because it's not right. Like yeah. different things work for different people. And that's what human centered design is really about. That's so important right there. And, you know, like it, it 
doesn't I, I like you know it doesn't just go for like people who think that you know like I've tried working out before and like you know blah 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 it I think it also applies to people who have been working out their whole life and like they think they built up this identity for themselves and then an injury happens or something happens or like whatever and then you can no longer do whatever that thing is and now your identity's messed up you can no longer like work out the same way or do the same thing and it like it drives people to very bad places so definitely that's awesome like i commend you for this this is like amazing like seriously it's it's not easy to first of all face that yourself and not just decide you know what screw it not for me i'm just gonna stick to my walks that's good enough like you're like no like i should do something about this and then i should help other people do it too so again and i didn't become a teacher until like a year a year and a half after i was like going a lot and it was really scary for me because i had never taught anything before in my life and like to this day i still say like i'm not flexible and i'm not coordinated and i'm a teacher but i think even like students have that perception of like you know but the teacher must be so fit and flexible and like you know yeah. all this kind of stuff so it was kind of scary but i was really driven by creating an impact for people and i think that's what really drives me in my life well i think you definitely do and um another kind of thing that i wanted to kind of chat about before we wrap this up uh is what you're kind of you know what you've moved towards a little bit now with um strategic thinking like how, what's it called exactly strategic design okay strategic design let's talk about strategic design because i was listening to a podcast that you were on and you guys were going into it and i felt like i related with everything that you guys were talking about but i still don't completely get what strategic design is talk to me about it a little bit so you're not the only one i'm actually going to start a masters in strategic design in september nice. at the parson school of design congrats um, that's thank awesome you. i'm really, really another excited. big step yeah. you just keep going you, you can't you can't like rest on your laurels i love it <laughs> i love it i just i love exploring and doing new things so yeah. i was like okay now that i'm super into this like how much deeper can i go and like what roads can i explore and where will they lead me so that's why i decided to pursue the masters but even in the information sessions like different professors kind of have different definitions of what it is because it's a very like up and coming field and a new right. field so my definition the way that i see it is kind of mixing the best of design which is kind of you know creating something new and then strategy which is kind of like creating an impact and like having a goal and like going forward so kind of what you had said earlier of like exploring and understanding what it is that you want to do <laughs> i forgot the three things no i think it was understanding <laughs> yeah. right uh you were talking about exploring exploring and then, and then manifesting manifesting exactly. there you go i got you and i had a brain for it right in hey, the middle it's all good <laughs> we all do we all do trust yeah. me it's all good so exactly it's around that understanding so what is it about a a problem that you're trying to solve. Yep. Kind of like pivoting, like testing things out, seeing okay, does that work? Oh, it doesn't work. Let's change it. And then finally like materializing your solution or the impact that it is that you're trying to create. Awesome. Give us an example. Ooh, Walk us through. Oh, an example. It. Yeah. Of of applying this process okay. to something. Okay. So the way that I applied this process to my master's degree. Okay. So I have I I don't even remember when I first heard of like cuz strategic design is kind of like the big 
like umbrella term and the thought process and then within it you have kind of things like uh, design thinking or like scrum agile like all these different okay. techniques that you can use that lead to strategic design so I don't really remember when it was that I first heard about design thinking but I was super into it I was like oh I love it so much like I really want to try it out some more and then um, because I was really involved in like the Ottawa startup community I actually got to attend a lot of like startup weekends and hackathons okay and if you've never attended one of those it's kind of like you show up and you you do exactly that you work on a problem for the weekend you try to prototype some solutions quickly and then you present your solution at the end so when i was involved in those events i was like i love this so much like it caters to my curious nature i am like the queen of analysis paralysis believe it or not so that's where like that strategic like thinking comes in it almost forces you to go yeah you don't really have a choice because now there's a time yeah yeah the constraints you need constraints to really come up with creative solutions Uh so then that was kind of my way of like testing like oh do i actually like this design thinking strategy world and i'm like yeah i love it so much and then through that then i was able to kind of find the proof and like the signs that like you know what pursuing a master's in this is really something that i want to do and like it would fulfill me at least until the next thing comes along because i'm honestly so open to whatever doors open but i know that for now like i want to dive deeper into that and explore it further well i could see you and when we have our next podcast being in a position where you're going to be teaching other people that and this is just a bold like it's not that deep prediction but like i could see you having your own course and like legitimately starting a brand where you're teaching people this because it is so i don't want to say cutting edge but it's like taking a lot of different thoughts and ideas from different fields and i feel like collecting it to help people think and make better decisions and i think that right there people are willing to pay a lot of money for any kind of edge on decision making i think like it's just a no-brainer like a lot of the ways that we make decisions and the heuristics or whatever that we use to go about our days are outdated and like we just live we're like creatures of habits and momentum and so many of the things that we do aren't like calculated and thought out in that way because most people haven't been taught how to think or how to learn or how to execute and the whole process is all about creativity critical thinking communication it also um, goes to like so many personal development topics so Mm -hmm. for example feedback is a huge thing like so how do you communicate with someone and tell them you know that there's a better way to do stuff and I find that even working at an office like it's really hard for people to be honest and give feedback sometimes and it holds us back as humans from being able to have a great impact so yeah i just i love it so much and i really hope that you're right and <laughs> now i'm like that's gonna be my next action one day i will definitely have some sort of course or offering oh no like i see it happening 100 percent. and like if you're still interested in it who knows like next thing you know yeah, you definitely. pivot and it's a whole nother thing but i think that um that's really interesting congratulations that you're doing that for your masters um i wanted to ask you kind of like it's it's just you know because i just finished doing um learning over zoom for the first time and i assume this class like for the meantime is going to be online how do you feel about online learning so i was a person that at first was would say I would never do a master's online I would never ever do it that makes no sense you're not going to get any of the benefits out of it no way um and then actually now with this situation it's a pivot you know you kind of have to change your way of thinking and I've actually learned that you can connect with people so much 
online. Like I, I honestly don't feel like there's going to be a difference. Communities and getting to know people is really important to me. So as soon as I found out that I was accepted, I was already trying to join like the Facebook groups, the WhatsApp yeah. groups, all that kind of stuff. And then I actually took it upon myself to host a Zoom social last weekend. Nice. So I facilitated a little session where we had like kind of rotations of breakout rooms oh, where people got awesome. to speak to each other and then nice. they would introduce their partner as opposed to introducing themselves and ah. the feedback was really great and it helped us connect and honestly I feel like I'm becoming friends with some of these people That's great. and somebody's in India, someone's in Switzerland, people are in New York, like DC, all over the world and I love that so much because both of us have that passion for like international connection and cultures yeah. and I'm like I'm really getting that with yeah. online like I'm really that's excited awesome. for it. I do think that's where the future is moving. I still think it's clunky. I still think it's not where I'd like it to be. Um, but those kinds of tools, right? The breakout rooms mm -hmm. and like, it does require that extra mile effort, which clearly you're gonna put in. So I'm not worried about you getting the most out of this. But I will say overall, I still think there's something to in-person and that's why we're here today in person it's true. and oh, as opposed to over zoom because we probably could have had this a few weeks ago or even a month or two months ago like the, the third last time we rescheduled over zoom right but i've already found i'm having so much more fun here today because and i'm going to be completely honest i have this bad habit of like interrupting from time to time but most people don't take it like like offensive or like personally because they know like when i'm in front of them that i don't mean any ill will or harm it's just context you get to see someone's face on zoom i can't do any of that i literally like okay they're done they're done like and that alone that line of thinking screws up how mm. i'm interacting with somebody because now i just gotta like i gotta like tone down me if that makes sense. Yeah, because they do say that like most communication isn't verbal, right? So when you're speaking on a 2D dimension, you are losing a lot of that. A lot. But here's the thing. Okay. There's always a way to adjust to it. Yes. Um, so for example, something that I think is important to do is I, ha I have some colleagues that they never want to turn their camera on. They never actually want to participate. So, you know, to really get the most out of the experience, I know it's different, but like you have to also show up. Yes. and show up fully and do the best that you can and then something else is for example if you're sitting in a room in a group of people people might start like nodding their head you might start to feel like okay there's some consensus in the room or yeah. this isn't going as well as i planned but you can also do that visually through zoom so when i was at mcgill actually on student counselor if you agreed with an idea you would kind of just like shake your hand oh, okay. like that okay so it's like you can just give different types of signals or if someone says something even just like yeah like thumbs up like you don't need to speak but you can relay the message yeah. that you see what they're saying and like you agree with that's it that's powerful i think we're in a big transitionary period right now where a lot of those things are still being established i think um those are all very valid i like that a lot and but it does require buy-in from a lot of the group Definitely. because if you're the only one with your camera on you're not going to be the only one with your camera on right so it's like hey everyone let's put our cameras on for mm -hmm. this like amount of time and then whatever but i think it also has to do with our environment too like if you're sitting in your oh, in your home with I your kids with running around and this and that i i think there's a lot of studies out now showing like for a lot of people it's great like the, mm -hmm. the benefits outweigh the, you know any of the negatives that come from that but then you know on the flip side it's like okay um uh, i am not 
working like my brain's not i can't get into the flow that i need to get into to actually work and get things done so um i don't even know where this rant came from but like i think the future of online learning is is coming like we're almost there yeah but there are still some very frustrating things like for example like i had to be on zoom for three hours a day for this course like every day almost and that alone like you're or i'm already on zoom i don't know about you but i'm already on zoom for like four or five hours in a day before that and then on top of that the mm-hmm. course it's not the same being on um and i'm not just speaking about zoom any video conferencing thing right yeah, it's definitely just, true. just sitting there and just being on i and i'm someone with my uh my camera on the whole time i, I don't really like mind um maybe not the whole time but like most of the time and it's just a lot you actually get that zoom fatigue and it's like oh, if, totally. if i was in a classroom i'd still get fatigue but just because i'm there you know it's different and i'm not trying to like dissuade online learning i think i love taking courses online actually i like taking the ones that i can kind of learn on my own time and be in like facebook groups like you said and interact with people and this and that but we just have a long way to go and i don't think it's like zoom calls and mm-hmm. breakout rooms are the be all end all i think we need more of this or, or whatever yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. Those, those kinds of different like hand motions and interaction yeah it's yeah. true and, and i do also think that in a way it's made it more accessible but in a way it's also made it less accessible like for example i'm really connected to my family in ecuador still and there are people who don't have access to internet at all like whatsoever so how can you say that a kid's going to do school online when they don't even have access to the internet like they yeah. really have access to electricity and i know also in paraguay they were having a lot of issues with that so they started broadcasting classes over the tv because they're like okay people have a tv but mm-hmm. not internet so it's you know like there's definitely and that's where like the the like iteration of design comes in we can't just say the way that it is now is the way that it is and like no. it's one and done and check yeah we got to keep changing and improving it yeah. and finding those um things that do work i love that that's absolutely it right there and you know you bring up a great point there that you know i'm complaining from a very privileged position you know like it's i have an internet connection at almost all times except that one time during covid oh yeah when both of our internet so we had the same internet supplier and it was down and we're like is it on yet is it on yet (laughs) that was a day that actually i was like man i rely on this utility yeah i need this way more than i thought i thought i was some oh yeah i could go a day without my phone or like yeah you know it's no problem i was legit just like bummed out because i kept going to do the things that i do and it's like Oh yeah, I guess guess I can't use my Google Home. Like Yeah. <laughs> and that was like our way for social interaction, right? And yeah. I was also thinking too like I remember there was times in like high school when I didn't have any data on my phone again because I couldn't oh, yeah. afford to pay for it. I just had the 500 text messages or whatever. Those days. Call me after 6. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like at least now I have data I can like go on it a little bit. Yeah. But Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I think we're going to wrap this up okay, soon. Cool. This has been this has been incredible. You and me could sit and talk shit here for hours. We should have our own side show. We like, should. Let's, yeah. Let's talk about any topic. Awesome. Yeah, we'll pick random spots in Ottawa and set up oh, this high that. quality oh production. <laughs> yeah, It's actually I love fun. ideas. Anytime that like 
anyone talks to me about an idea, I'm like, oh, that's so cool, that's so cool, that's so cool. Let's well, <laughs> I, I think the world would really benefit whether it's me or not, but from a podcast with you, because oh, I mean, you. I do think that you have a lot of amazing ideas. You're up to a lot of like really cool things all the time. I can't keep up. Every time I go on your feed, there's something new, some new initiative, some new thing you're on, some new thing you're doing. I'm like, man, I'm so lazy. Like, I, oh <laughs> I ain't doing shit. But to wrap this up, I usually do a lightning round, yep. as you know. Um, I'm just going to ask three questions, real short. But, um, okay. yeah, just remember it's not that deep. All right. Um, if you were a superhero, what superhero would you be? Oh, I like really don't like superhero movies. Okay, let's uh, <laughs> let's switch it up. What's something like? What's a type of movie that you do like? Documentaries. Okay, if you were a documentary. Okay, no. What's your favorite documentary of Ooh. all time? You have to pick one. Okay. I don't love superhero things either, so I don't know why I asked that question. I okay. think I heard someone ask it, and I'm like, people like that Wait, one. Wait, now my brain is I'm like, what documentaries have I watched lately? Too? You did this one to yourself. You gotta... You, yeah. Um... Which documentaries do I like? I watched one once that was called Dear Zachary. Okay. And it's kind of like a murdery mystery type like documentary. Yeah, and I maybe that's like not really maybe I like true crime. Maybe that's what I mean to say because I did used to watch a lot of like cold case files growing up. Nice. I don't know why it's kind of weird. I was literally like a teenager really into these shows. And you know what? Like I I think I was twelve when I binge watched Dexter. So yeah, like I, I'm right there. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, true crime is one of those things that a lot of people enjoy, but they don't openly talk about it. I, I I think one of the first like complete side note. I know this is supposed to be the lightning round, but uh, one of the first podcasts I ever like listened to was this one called Serial. It's like one oh, of the most yeah. popular ones out there. But I, I was hooked. I was like, this is the most captivating piece of audio that I've ever listened to. I was in my car, and you know how like you pull up to your house and you're home, but it was like. 10 minutes left in the episode I'm like you just, just sat in your car I was like I sat in my car and I'm like no like I gotta go drive a bit more because this is just so good like cereal was amazing but anyways moving on to the next question alright oh it sucks when I get a phone call in the middle of my okay favorite restaurant in Ottawa favorite restaurant in Ottawa like, I don't even remember the last restaurant I went to. I'd probably say, I know, I'm being terrible at this, Metropolitan. There no, we go. Okay, Metropolitan. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, um, but I love the hot dogs from Tavern on the Hill. I love hot dogs. Okay. <laughs> Tavern on the Hill. Yeah. Boom, we'll take it. Slid right in. Okay, last and final question. Um, how do you want to be remembered? Wow. Um, I want to be inspiring. Inspiring. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think you're on track. Because you inspire me. Thank you so much for coming Thanks, on the podcast today. This is awesome. <laughs> awesome. I really enjoyed this. And just remember, it's not that deep. <laughs>